Well, you've heard it before, be a man. But what does that really mean and what is it costing us? We'll talk about that and more here on the Inherent Man Podcast. This is a place where we are shaking the stigma of men's mental wellness by hosting authentic and intentional conversations with a diverse group of men. It's time to normalize men talking about what's going on in life with other men. Because ultimately, we can't do this alone. So sit back, enjoy the conversations, and know that it's never too late for you to live your best life. Right, welcome to the Inherent Man podcast. My name is Andrew Perquette, and I'm really excited about our guest today. We have Justin Burke Bickler with us. Justin is a men's a, men, a men's health advocate, testicular cancer survivor, and founder of a ballsy sense of tumor.com. Justin, thanks for being with us today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, your stuff is awesome. Uh, we'd love everybody go check out aballsysenseoftumor.com, uh, see what Justin's, uh, everything he's written, uh, all his, uh, you were on a TED Talk, um, all that stuff. Go check it out. It's fantastic. So, Justin, I'd love to just start uh, by getting to know you a little bit. Um, if you would just let us know, tell us your story, man. Tell us what got you to where you're at today, starting a ballsy sense of tumor. Uh, we'd love to just hear that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So today, as I sit here, I'm 29 years old. Um, I'm an instructional technology coach at an elementary school in Virginia. Um, But my story, my journey really starts four years ago um, in October 2016. I was uh, in the shower. I was on like a consulting business trip and it was already a stressful trip to begin with. So I decided what better way than to make the trip a little bit more stressful than by doing my monthly testicular self-exam. And um, everything had been fine in September, but it was now October and there was a, I detected a lump on the left testicle. Uh, so I, you know, got back from my trip and I had to locate a doctor because I didn't actually even have a doctor at the time because, you know, I was the typical mid twenties guy thought I was young, healthy, didn't need to go to the doctor. Um, so I, you know, went in for the, uh, an exam and they said, yeah, we're going to need to get you an ultrasound. So they gave an ultrasound on my testicles, which is just as fun as that sounds to say. Um, and they, they found there was a mass and eventually it turned out that it was, it, it appeared to be cancerous. Mm -hmm. So they said they had to remove the testicle, which was not what I was expecting to hear. And so they, you know, they went forward with the surgery and then they did some uh, medical imaging and found that it had, you know, not only was it indeed cancer, but it had also spread to my lymph nodes. So I had to go through chemotherapy uh, for about a period of uh, 10 weeks. I had 21 treatments over that 10 weeks, which is a lot of chemo in a very short amount of time. Yeah, wow. Uh, um, so then I also, um, from there, uh, it was around when I was diagnosed, I was trying to find resources online for what it'd be like to be a, a you know, mid twenties guy going through cancer. And I couldn't find a whole lot. Um, but I was kind of making a journal just within Google docs of detailing my journey. And one of my friends that I shared it with said, you know, you should, you should, you should do this. You should, you should make this a thing. 
So it was a no-brainer decision. I actually spent more time coming up with the name, a ballsy sense of tumor, than <laughs> am I going to put it all out there? Right. Uh, and then since then, you know, I've, I've been writing for just over four years, and I definitely detailed my whole journey, including as recently as yesterday, I met with my oncologist, and I'm still in remission. Everything's all good. Um, but I write a lot about men's health, mental health, survivorship. Uh, it's, it's really expanded from the original goal to kind of just create a, a guide for a guy going through testicular cancer. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm, I love that you're able to just take um, a season that was hard in your life, but being able to just help other men through whatever they may be going through. And I'd actually love to touch real quick. You said when you were in the shower, you were doing your monthly check. And I think that's important for us to check on because I don't think most men do that or think about that. So, I mean, expand on, I think that's an important thing to expand on real quick for the guys listening. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's, it's a, a practice that was in, instilled in me by my pediatrician when I got to be like 15 years old. Um, and it was the one thing that really stuck with me. And it's, it's something that quite literally saved my life. And I really credit, you know, we, we may not be talking here today if, you know, I hadn't done that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so basically you take your uh, uh, pointer finger, ring finger, or no, not ring finger, that'd be weird. Pointer, <laughs> middle finger, <laughs> and your thumb, and you just roll each testicle from top to bottom. Essentially, it should feel like a grape is like I, I've talked about this, you know, hundreds of times, and that's the best way I can figure out how to describe it. Yeah. Uh, you, and if you feel anything that's a little hard or just feels not quite right, call a doctor. It, it could be a, a, a lump. It could be a, a cyst. It could be any number of things, but you know, they'll, they'll get you squared away and it's nothing to be embarrassed about. They see it. It's, it's, you know, that's the big mission that I have is just getting guys to talk openly about their health. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it's something it takes maybe two minutes in the shower once a month. So it's, you know, 24 minutes a year. That's, that's an episode of a TV show. In my case, now that I only have one testicle, it's 12 minutes a year. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's on my still do to this day. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's something easy and it, you know, could save a life. If you don't know what a grape feels like, go practice on some grapes and see what grapes feel like. And if it doesn't feel like that, you've got a problem. So, exactly. We're on the same, same journey here. We want to get men to, to talk about their health, their holistic health, talk about what's going on. Um, for us, really, we're trying to dive into this mental health world. And I know you've posted a couple things about mental health and, and how your mental health has been affected by this, everything that has happened in your story. Um, so could you break that down for us a little bit too? How is, how has mental health just played a role in this? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, it's one of the things I didn't realize how much it would play into my mental health until I was, you know, to be crass ball deep in it. Um, it was, and a lot of it often, it actually started creeping up on me after active treatment was done. And I credit that a lot to um, feeling that with medical treatment, I had uh, everything it just happened so fast that I just had to act. I didn't really have any time to react. And like I said, 21 treatments over 10 weeks. And then all of a sudden they're like, you're good. We'll see you in six months. And so it, I had to come to terms with 
the fact that my body basically went rogue and tried to, you know, take me out. And for a very long time, I, I didn't want to deal with that. I just, I just wanted to get back to quote normal. And, you know, there is no getting back to just normal. And so I, um, you know, it was, it was, it was about a year after finishing up treatment that I finally was at my oncologist's office for just my first year scan, uh, follow up. And he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. He said, but how are you really doing? Mm -hmm. And it was kind of in that moment that I said, you know, I'm not doing okay. And, you know, I had to develop that rapport with him over the months of working together. Um, and I said, and I said, you know, I, I, I think I'd like to try going on antidepressants because I had, I had been on them in high school because I went through some pretty severe clinical depression in high school, um, you know, back when I was in my teens. And so I was starting to recognize the signs and I didn't want it to get as severe as it had in high school. So, and, and then in addition to that, I, you know, I think there's, you know, just like with men's health, I don't think there should be any stigma against mental health or medication, but I also find other things that help me uh, cope, such as exercise, uh, sleep is huge, I've found, and, you know, I have, I have kittens, I don't know if you've heard them in the background yet, but they're running around my house right now, and they're, they're a big, big part of uh, helping the mental health aspect. Yeah, that's very real, and I, I, I think that getting back to normal um, is even, I think that's relatable with what we're going through right now, even with all this quarantine stuff, right, we're like, we just want to get back to normal, but understanding things just may not be that way. I mean, things have, things have changed. So um, I think it's great that, great that you mentioned that. So are there, are there, you said you didn't want it to get as bad as it did in high school. So it, that means you were kind of identifying that it was happening again, or you could feel it. You wrote a, an article, another mental health update where you had said you, you had struggled with it before you had these different episodes. So what are the signs that you can identify that it's you, either you're in the middle of it or it's about to hit you? For me, the, the biggest thing is it's, it starts a lot with apathy uh, where I just don't feel like doing anything or I literally just want to lay around and not do anything. And that's, um, and it's, it's not necessarily negative, but that quickly turns into some negative thoughts. I know in, you know, in high school, it, it, it turned into self-harm and suicide ideation. And um, it wasn't, you know, luckily that's why I wanted to get help. So it didn't get to that point. But I remember, I guess it was his last fall or the previous fall, uh, either 2019 or 2018, everything seems so far away at this point in the world. Um, it was, I was on a walk and almost got hit by a car. And it was, I was like, oh, well, if I died, I died. And I was like, that's, that was a big sign to me that something wasn't, cause I, you know, I fought for, so to not pass away from cancer. Right. And so it, it starts with apathy with me and just kind of feeling flat, like nothing makes me really happy. Nothing makes me really, really sad. You know, it's, it's not the traditional people think of depression where it's kind of like Eeyore from uh, Winnie the Pooh, where right. it's just, woe is me for, in my case, it presents a lot as apathy in the beginning. Um, and so, you know, re realizing that that's a trigger and also realizing, you know, seasonal depression is a, a total real thing. And it's one thing that affects me as, as well. Um, 
And so I, I try to be proactive about it, knowing that in the, in the winter months when it is colder, it's darker, kind of everything else is like that. Um, so that was a big, big part of my discussion with my oncologist yesterday. Uh, you know, we talked about the scans being clear and everything and also checked in. I said, you know, I've, I've been doing pretty well with my mental health over the past couple of months. Uh, but, and, you know, I might want to look at decreasing my dosage. Um, but can we wait until after the winter is over? Because I don't want to, you know, just because things are going good now, you know, winter's, winter's just becoming a thing nowadays. And I don't want to have the whammy of coming off medication and then also seasonal depression. So, and he said, you know, that's, that's very smart. You, you know yourself best. Let's reevaluate this. In the spring. Yeah, that's great. And that, that was one thing I, I wanted to talk about that you nailed on already, man, is it's this proactive approach I think is huge because that is so much self-awareness on your side, which is what I think a lot of men struggle with. We can attribute it to a stigma or we can, uh, maybe assist how men are, I don't know, but it's hard, this this self-awareness, right, to be able to be aware enough of what are triggers in your life, what are things that could trigger you. Um, so what, do you have any piece of advice or anything you would say on that sense of just being self-aware in this journey? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things that I could say there. I think it is, you know, you kind of said about it, like we've been kind of conditioned to put ourselves last so we can take care of others. But the counterpoint to that is if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be there to take care of others. So you, yeah. you have to develop that self-awareness. And it, a lot of it can be re just reflective thinking, uh, or in my case, I like to write a lot. You know, when there's been times when I've had panic attacks and the first thing I want to do is just write about it. And that, the, I find that the writing helps me even more than um, just processing because it, you know, the, the act of writing or typing, it gets it out of my head and onto something more concrete and then it's kind of releases it from there. Um, I, I think it's just figuring out when, when you start feeling a certain way, what preceded that or what has been happening in your life that definitely has an impact. I mean, every, I guess it's like the laws of physics, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So things come from somewhere and then you got to find what, what works for you. And in my case, it's, you know, sometimes it is saying, no, I can't do that. Or I just need some time to myself and you can't feel any shame or embarrassment about that. Right. It's, it's really just about doing what works best for you. Yeah. Giving yourself credit, giving yourself that time. It's not, selfish right it's taking care of yourself and i think that's a big just area we just have to redefine it as not just men but as people is it's okay to take care of yourself and you you said it if you aren't taking care of you're not going to be here to take care of the people that you love and i think that's great uh a big question i have and and we can uh begin reaching the end with this but what's the difference and between living in fear of depression and just living prepared for it. And I, I think to kind of paraphrase that in another way, um, I, I, my therapist um, once put it beautifully um, was, are, are you, I'm going to butcher it and do disservice to him, but he said something like, are you worrying or is it a productive struggle? Mm. And I, I don't think you want to live your life in fear by any stretch of the imagination, but you want to be prepared because uh, to use another analogy, when I was going through chemo and 
they said to always the biggest thing to make sure that I had the most successful treatment and with in regards to side effects was stay ahead of the nausea. If, if you're already throwing up, it's too late because you're not going to keep anything down. So that second you start feeling, um, off, start taking your meds. So same thing with mental health. The second that you start, um, feeling off, get some help, whether, whatever, what that looks like for is going to be different for every person, but you need to develop the self-awareness. You know, you don't, you don't want to live in fear of it and say, Oh, I had a bad day. I'm, am I sinking into depression? No, but if it becomes a, you know, everybody has ups and downs. It's just part of life. But if you're noticing you have a lot more down days than up days, I think it's something to be aware of and, you know, talk, talk with, you know, a medical provider or, or even a, a male friend who, and, and I think that's, that's where we really will get the systemic change is guys talking with each other about their mental health and realizing it's not something that we have to be embarrassed about and everybody goes through it. And that, I mean, that's, that's the dream right there is that we all just talk about it and we make it a, a real experience and everybody, you know, moves forward and it's just the commonplace norm. And that's exactly it. I, I, I love even just saying, Hey, before you even take this huge step of, of going to get professional help, going to your doctor, just take the small step of talking to somebody you trust, talk to a guy friend, just talk to somebody else and just, just get it off your chest. Um, and so I think that's a great first step for a lot of men to take, um, in order to start creating this change that, that we want to see. So Justin, man, I, I really appreciate you being here with us. Um, again, guys, go check out a ballsy sense of tumor.com. Um, you're going to find a lot of incredible content from Justin on there. Um, Justin, again, appreciate you, man. Um, is there anything else that you want to close out on that I missed? Anything else you want to add? No, I think just the big message I want all guys listening to this or women to instill in the men in their lives is to be proactive with your health, whether it's physical or mental or emotional health, you have to be proactive. There's, there's nothing wimpy about it. Uh, you're not, it's, you know, or surrendering your man card. It's just being smart and making sure that we're living the best life that we truly can. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, Justin. That's a perfect note to end it on. Thanks again for being with us. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Inherent Man podcast. And we will see you next time.